some people literally don't know until they're adults that they grew up poor. Yeah. They don't know because of how well their parents handled it. I mean, that's such a great example. It goes to what are your needs and wants? And, you know, you're not running around saying we're poor, we're poor, we're poor. You're looking at how can I create a wonderful, important experience? What matters? Yeah. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle, and today we are going to get into some I'm going to get up in your business with today's guests, and we are going to talk about money and the power that it has and the power that you have over your money and all kinds of things, money. So no announcements today. We're going to get right to it. So I want to tell you about Michael Ann Volterra. Michael Ann is an author, keynote speaker, and money coach who helps Women transform their relationship with money to create a life they love. For over 20 years, she has been a thought leader in the field of financial psychology. Her strong background in emotional intelligence paired with her practical money strategies enable her clients to consciously design their life while escaping financial stress and anxiety. When she's not working with clients, you can find Michael Ann on the dance floor indulging her love of Argentine tango. Welcome to the show, Michael Ann. Oh, hello from Seattle. Thank you for having me. I love it. I love your show. Well, thank you so much. It's because I have awesome bombshells and bombshell boys as guests. Um, Otherwise, it would kind of just be boring. So I appreciate you being a part of the show and serving our listeners. There's so much to get into here. So much. Um, But before we dive into like kind of some of the more hardcore questions, that actionable content that our bombshells love to walk away with, how did this become your topic? <laughs> yeah. Who the heck am I? And what is this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Amber, I'm a money coach. And, you know, honestly, a lot of people, I still don't know money coaching exists because, you know, it used to be you could see a financial planner if you had investments or a credit counselor if you were dealing with debt, both really great, important fields. But most people really have have both. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to deal with the debt issue in life and credit. They are obviously looking at net worth. And neither of those fields is really strong in dealing with the emotional side of money, you know, the psychological side of money. So money coaching arose to really fill this gap. And, you know, half of what I do is super practical, right? Like I teach people how to plan their spending and, you know, deep, juicy stuff that we'll get into, you know, in terms of like, let's learn how to manage our cash flow, mm-hmm. right? Which is not about investments. It's about living day to day and this month and knowing I'm not stressed about money, right? But money coaching also looks at and really honors the emotional side of money because anyone that says money is not sometimes emotional is probably a robot, right? I mean, this is this is a big topic. And so money coaching really kind of dives into, yes, we're gonna learn how to, you know, touch our money and plan it and create that nourishing spending plan that I love doing with clients. Um, but we've got to be able to talk about the fact that, you know, we have a lot of history as individuals around our money journey. Yeah, so much so. And you and I have both talked about this pre-show. I'm obviously, my audience knows that I'm a former teen mom. You've been a single mom. That's a lot of pressure right there. The psychological component of money when you are the only provider and there's no one to have your back. And especially when you're young and you don't know any of the things like that kind of roots you into a a maybe difficult relationship with money or a strained relationship. Like it's not this abundant flowy, like manifestation thing that you see on Instagram all the time. It's like almost like choking and suffocating. So is that a common theme for women? Yeah, well, it is. And, you know, just just to also throw out the obvious, you know, half of your listeners are divorced. I mean, we mm-hmm. all know that the divorce rate is at 50 percent. I mean, give or take. Right. That's what article today we're reading. Right. But, you know, it's just it's huge. And so so many of us don't have someone else that we can automatically rely on when it comes to money and hey, money and couples. That's its own huge topic. Right. So but I know that that 
for me, both have being in relationship um, with a beloved and being single, you know, I have learned how to manage my money so I'm not stressed. And it's it's why I feel so passionate about it, Amber, because you know, the method that I use to plan my cash flow, honestly, it's so I'm not stressed about money. It's yes. so I don't have to think about money all the time. And it's why I'm so passionate about teaching it to other women so that they, they can, it's not just not be stressed, but if we can learn how to manage our cash flow and really look at our money, you can use money to create the life of your dreams. So it's like going all the way from not being stressed to being happy and creating the life that you love. But you know, this, this level of money personally doesn't get talked about a lot. It's, it's usually only about investments or debt, right? You know, but honestly, we live in the present. We live here in the month, in the year. And so we have to be able to get our arms around money and not be stressed out about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you hit something that is more just like, kind of like right where you are. And, um, I was with a really dear friend last night and we were joking about that. uh, There's such a longer story that I probably can't get into at this point, but some of the choices that I've made, um, and she was like, yeah, but Amber, you do anything fabulously. And I was like, yeah, if all I could afford, first of all, is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on like white, you know, whatever store brand bread, that would be the most fabulous peanut. Like I would cut it special. I would serve it beautifully. I would have a candle next to it. I would pour my milk in a wine glass, like whatever you have, wherever you at, it, it, it's like, if you appreciate it and you elevate the experience and it's not like, oh, all I can afford it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, I mean, like, it's also some perspective Absolutely. in there. Well, yeah, it, it's the attitude of gratitude, right? It's it's the, because abundance is really an internal state. And I know people often talk about abundance when it comes to um, money, but I, I think what gets missed is true, true abundance really is internal. Yeah. And you just described it. You can create a feeling of abundance, you know, where, wherever you are. So a lot of it really is your, your mindset. Yeah. I love that. So you've talked about building a life you love and you talked about cash flow. And one of the things that you do with your customers is create a personalized spending plan so that they can use that as a tool to drive to the life that they love and park there. <laughs> so <Right. I> mean, <laughs> can you walk us through that process? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the number one thing I hear when people call me is they're tired of not feeling in control of their money followed by they're tired of being stressed and anxious around money. Right. So, you know, budgeting gets a bad rap and, and a lot of people just hate the word, you know, they just hate the word. And I think part of it, it feels is restrictive. Because- it's restrictive. Yeah, exactly. You say the word budget and half the people here diet, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're all dieting on money. Who do I owe? What's left over for me? And now we're living life on leftovers, which totally sucks. I mean, so I, I hate the word budget myself, right? It's really different than what if we create a nourishing spending plan that is built off of your values, that's built off what you need, what you want, what you desire, right? It's it's like architecting your life. We all wanna create a life that we love, but a spending plan, in my opinion, is one of the most practical and fast tools to actually make it happen, yeah. right? So just imagine sitting down and saying, okay, let's look at the spending plan for March. And you know, if you're a business owner, it's so helpful because a spending plan in your personal life actually tells you how much money you need to make. Right. Right. And how much money you want to make. And what yeah. there's, there's a lot of levels that you can go in. You can look at it at the month level so that you're never stressed and you always know that you're okay. You know, this month, I know that my needs are met. I'm enjoying my life. I'm planning, you know, for me, I'm planning all my tango. I'm planning, you know, time, money, and energy are all connected. But when you, you're looking at an annual spending plan, it's even more exciting because that's really telling you about, you know, let's look at how much money we need to make. Let's look at our values. Let's look at our lifestyle. Yeah. Whenever people say to me, Hey, can I afford fill in the blank? You know, can I afford a car? Can I afford another horse? Can I afford to go to Hawaii? 
those types of lifestyle questions are always answered at the level of an annual income and spending plan, right? That's where we really get into creating the life that we love that's that's in balance with our relationship to money. So good. Yeah. And it is, it is, it's an active freedom. It's not like when I feel suffocated, it's because I haven't addressed my plan. But the minute I get in there and I do all the things, I'm like, oh, look at me. I'm good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm great. And this is like, we're moving in the right direction. And, you know, it's, it's, it is a feeling of freedom. Whereas I feel like if you look at it as a budget and something restrictive and you avoid it, you're held hostage by the unknown. There is no freedom in that. You're, oh my gosh, you're so right. Because you know, I think the shift that that I want people to make is it's your money. Where do you want That's right. your money to go? You want to ultimately feel in control. And you know, it, it's interesting when I first start working with people and they start learning, you know, how to look at their money, how to look at where it's going. They almost they very quickly get used to feeling in control. And mm-hmm. then if something happens and they kind of drift away and they go on vacation or whatever happens, they fall off the money horse and they go back into the money fog, they'll say, oh my gosh, Michael, that that anxiety feeling I used to feel all the time about money came back and I'd almost forgotten it, Yeah, right? I mean, there's something so powerful about feeling financially clear. It's super empowering. Yeah. Well, and the thing about money is, and and I have to remind, like, I pre-call listeners, (laughs) bombshell, I told um, Michael Ann that as a teen mom, money's always been a tough topic for me. And I've done the work, I've, I've like therapy, I've done hypnotherapy, I've had a money coach, I've, you know, I've, I've done Financial Peace University twice, I've done the debt snowball, I'm debt free now, like there's, it's not that I haven't done the work and yet that fear is always right behind me. And it's like, if I tilt one way, it is in my face and that can happen very easily under stress, under duress, under like, it just comes back because it comes from such a deep core wound of not having enough of working four jobs, of not sleeping two nights out of every week, of feeling like a failure of not being a great mom. Like all of that oozes up and that's around money. And so like, what would you say to a woman like me who has just all that gnarly stuff wrapped up around the dollar signs? Yeah. So, and I know all the type of programs you're talking about and there's, oh my gosh, you've done so much amazing work. Um, I always want people at some point to go into their, their money autobiography and really go back into looking at their money story. Because what you're talking about, Amber, is your money script, your money programming, if you will, your really early, early stories, right? Like, like just as a, as a quick example, because I know, unfortunately, a lot of your listeners will identify with this. If, if you grow up hearing your parents fight about money, like if we go way, way back before yeah. anyone is the teenage mom, you're like, you're back, you're seven, right? If you're hearing your parents fight about money, chances are a yet little kid may not be super sophisticated, obviously, about money, but they know it's important. Mm-hmm. They know it buys food. They know it's a big deal, whatever this magic, mystical substance is that mom and dad are fighting about, right? And so there are these very, very early beliefs that form that say, okay, um, money, whatever it is, makes mom cry. Money causes conflict. Money mm-hmm. is bad. Don't talk about money. And But some of this stuff is so early right it's laid down so early that it is very unconscious we don't realize it and now here we are adult powerful amazing women and the moment money comes up in our you know new relationship maybe we feel sick we feel icky we feel like oh my gosh do not talk about money this will somehow hurt the relationship Mm. right and then of course that ends up causing more problems right so a lot of it at some point besides all the skills which are obviously important really is about looking at what is our money story. And there's a lot of elements to our money story, Amber. There's part of the reason why money stories are so flipping complicated is developmentally what, who we were as little girls is really different than who we were as teenagers. Yeah. And that's really different developmentally than who we were as young women. And so whatever happened in those three different chapters of your money story really impacts you as an adult 
but woman. And so they all three areas at all three time periods of your life need to be explored. And we need to look at like, what are the messages that came from when you were little, right? Because you know a lot of the trauma from when you were a teenage mom. Oh my gosh, right? But it's- Let me tell you what, my daughter has no problem earning or spending money. So I did not pass that down to her. (laughs) Well, and you know, and that's the interesting, and I'm not surprised because, you know, a lot of times we, we tend to reenact or rebel against how we were raised. And again, I'm not saying it's conscious, but it's just, it's always interesting what happens with friend kind of parents to kids. Yeah. But there's just so much layered in because your teenagers were layered in to a lot of earlier stories from, you know, when you were seven or eight. So it's why it is so helpful to go there and look at it. Because when people say money's not emotional, like I said, they're robots and that's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only saving grace for Brittany is she, you know, was quite aware of how broke we were, but we still lived fabulously. We still took vacations. We still like, I still, all of her friends could come over. Like when you talk about your financial priorities, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to buy a couch off of, you know, the newspaper at the time, because there was no internet going on. Um, I'm going to buy a couch off the newspaper instead of a new couch so that I can always make sure that when Brittany's friends come over, there's stuff for them to do. There's, you know what I mean? Like there's those lifestyle choices, but she saw us go from nothing to very abundant and saw that that just takes hard work. It takes commitment. It takes mindset. And I mean, that's the only thing I can think of for her um, because Lord knows she was born into poverty. (laughs) Well, but, but here's what's interesting, because, you know, I've worked with so many different people's many stories, and some people literally don't know until they're adults that they grew up poor. Yeah. They don't you know because of how well their parents handled it. I mean, that's such a great example. It goes to what are your needs and wants? And, you know, you're not running around saying we're poor, we're poor, we're poor. You're looking at how can I create a wonderful, important experience? What matters? Yeah. What matters? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And it's it's really not about the money. Yeah, it's about the energy that the money exactly. is applied to. Yeah, are we listening to our kids? Are we loving our kids? Are we meeting their basic needs? They don't need the designer couch. They need right. a space that you create for them so they can connect with their friends. Yeah, yeah. So kind of on that same vein, you you say that there's three main types of money personalities. So I love psychoanalytics. I love personality assessment. So I'm very interested to hear and understand what those three money personalities are. So, I mean, oh, that's a, it's a big subject, but there are money. They're basically spender savers and avoiders. Okay. <laughs> we want to just kind of cut to it with a laser, right? You know, but, but I think that, that what, what's a little bit juicier is if you look at what motivates people around money, right? So people that often identify as being a money spender, because you know that can sound almost negative. There's nothing wrong with being a spender. You just don't want to be way, way out at the edges and being this extreme overspender. Sure. Often what's underneath that personality type is a strong desire for freedom. Mm. That's what it's all about. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. No one's the boss of me right? These personality types tend to be super fun, super generous. They also tend to often be self-employed. You know, they don't want to punch a time clock, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Versus a money saver personality, it's all about security. Yeah. What's really important is I don't want to be stressing. Mm -hmm. I want to know I got money in the bank. I want to know I've got a riff over my head. You know, these personality types tend to be a little bit more risk adverse, and if we're self-employed, we better have a lot of savings to not, you know, throw up from the stress of the crazy money roller coaster that can happen when you start a business, right? Yeah. So, but what what I think is interesting is, you know, it used to be that people thought you're either spender or saver. You're either motivated by freedom or you're motivated by security. There's a ton of truth in that, Amber, but there are some personality types that are truly just avoiders and they have they a hard time. Don't participate in their own financial picture. Yeah, bingo, right? And and so when they're taking all these, you know, fun and cute little money personality quizzes all over the internet, um, the, <laughs> they can't ever figure out what they are. They get all these weird answers. And, you know, a lot of times they're the ones that were raised in families that had a lot of stress or chaos around money. And so the answer as an adult is don't touch it. Don't talk about it. Don't go there. Don't look at Put it. Put your head in the sand. Put your head in the sand because that's safe. 
And so they they are not really the, the spender or the saver. They're hoping that someone else will kind of handle the whole thing for them. Mm. So, you know, and th- there are so many different personality types around money. I mean, you know, it really to me goes to what what's the underlying motivation? You know, because some people are very, very motivated by um, by love, by power. You know, it's not all about just freedom or security. Victoria Collins wrote uh, some wonderful books on, you know, money and motivations around money. And Olivia Mellon has written some wonderful books about money personality types. If you're motivated by power, that is not a bad thing. People tend to think of it as the, you know, kind of the CEO, almost negative money personality type. But honestly, if Mother Teresa took a money personality test, she wouldn't score as a spender or a saver. She would score as the point of money is power. And the point of money is to take your vision and move it forth in the world. That's how I see money. It's power. Yeah. It's not about the money. It's about what you can do with it. Yeah. And it's interesting. And I'm usually very, not personally, but professionally, when I travel to speak, I'm like Southwest, you know, Courtyard Marriott, Uber, whatever. But I had two back-to-backs within 24 hours and I had to fly somewhere that I wasn't familiar with and it's not known for being the safest major city in the country. And so I was like, you know what? I'm flying first class on a different airline. I'm hiring a black car to pick me up so I know that it is a vetted licensed driver and that they're going to take me the, you know, 40 minutes or whatever to my hotel safely in potentially winter weather. Like and and when I got in the black car and I just got off the first class plane, I was like, this is what money does. It just mm-hmm. gives you freedom and it gives you power. And I was able to create this experience for me that mitigated all of the less desirable parts of this trip. And that was the power that I had. That's a... Well, those are positives. Yeah. Right. Those are positives. I mean, sometimes money as power can get a bad rap. It's because people are using kind of that that traditional masculine hierarchical. Like I have power over somebody, not power over my experience. Bingo, right? And really you're trying to, exactly, you're trying to take control of your experience and you're creating the experience that you want and you're using money to create the life that you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're ultimately in the driver's seat and that's, I mean, this is super, super positive. You don't wanna be, I mean, there's nothing wrong again with being a spender or a saver and, and ultimately, we're all a combo, right? right. And you, you don't want to be an extreme saver because then you're not using your money to enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. You can't take it with you. <laughs> you cannot take it with you. As near as I can tell, you cannot take it with you. <laughs> yeah. So I know I, I, there is, obviously we've talked about financial anxiety and, and then like when you stick your head in the sand, you get there a lot faster than just like looking the boogie monster in the eyes underneath the bed actually gives you a sense of power and control that just wondering if it's down there. So what do you, what is money fog to like, what is that? And then how is that causing anxiety in the lives of your customers? So, you know, the APA, the American Psychological Association um, has done a lot of studies on money anxiety and really has shown that women suffer from financial anxiety almost double than men do. Wow. Right. And so big, a lot of questions of what's up with that, you know, all of it. And I think a big piece of it is, is what I call money fog. And so money fog means that if I'm in a money fog, I could look a lot of different ways. But for example, I don't know uh, how much money I need to make. I don't know where my money is going. I don't know what I spend. Perhaps I don't know what I owe in debt. I don't know what my net worth is. I know, right? I saw that reaction. I don't don't know how much I need to be saving to retire. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Um, and the, the dilemma of being in a money fog is it, it's like driving in a fog. If mm-hmm. I'm driving in a fog, it's not a matter of, am I going to hit something? It's a matter of when am I going to hit something and how bad is it going to be? Right. And so money fog, the not knowingness of money, not knowing how much money I need, not knowing, am I going to be okay you know, if I buy the tickets to Hawaii and I do this big clothing shop, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay with my mortgage? I mean, all of this, like, it just brings up this, again, icky feeling that almost turns into or often turns into free floating anxiety. We're just, yeah. we almost get used to 
feeling in the back of our head, this low level sense of anxiety around money. And we don't even think about it. We get so used to it. So it's, it is big. And then, you know, the bigger question or who knows what the bigger question is, but why do women suffer from it more so than men? Oh my goodness. That's, we could unpack that in a, a whole different question. episode. <laughs> that's, a whole, that, 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 that's a huge question. But I will say this, um, you know, women have half the net worth that men do. So we're not making it up. There are real reasons why we are stressed around money, right? I mean, we are we are modern women. We know that we need to be self-supporting. You know, man, it's not a financial plan, all that good stuff, right? Um, but we don't have as much saved as men do in general. It doesn't matter whether we're talking retirement, it could be just saved for vacation. So there's there's that is very, very stressful and we're we're shifting it, but you know, historically, as women, women couldn't even get a credit card in their own name until 1975, right? I mean, my mom is only 20 years older than me. She was never told that she needed to make enough money to support herself, right? So the messages that we've gotten around for as women, I think we forget how much has changed so quickly. And so we're like running to catch up. No wonder we're stressed. So we're you know, we are amazing. We're super strong. I mean, when I think about all the guests that you've had, like talk about bombshells, you know, and 20 years ago, it was a super, super different conversation. 100% so much. You know, I grew up kind of strange too. Um, again, I grew up in Southern California, Orange County, and I babysat for two of the Rams football players when they were still in Orange County mm-hmm. and very regularly. And then I also had another family that I babysat for who my children are named after, Brittany and Derek. Like that's how much time I spent with these kids. And I made a lot of money for a junior hire, like a lot of money. And so it's interesting that like to me, like obviously I know to save now and debt became a big thing for me once I came out of the shadows of being a a teen mom and a very young single mom. But the one saving grace for me is, has always just been like, no matter what the picture is, I can just earn more. Like, that's it. Like, oh, I've got debt. I've got to pay off. Well, I'll just work harder. I will just put in more, like whatever. I will figure out how to, instead of just making this amount of money, I'll change things so I can make that amount of money. And so like, it's not necessarily always about like, fear or, um, and I guess what I'm, I'm trying to do is encourage bombshell, whatever situation that you're in, you can earn your way out of it. I don't care how much it is. If everyone saw the amount of debt that I had and just the screwed up financial picture that I had, I, my credit score was like a 475 at one point, 475. It's like 815. Now there are people are like, you're like, have a credit of a dead person. I'm not saying that to beat my chest because again, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've worked really, really hard, but I think the saving grace is like just earning power. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. I mean, we, money is fuel, right? And we, we can use it to get out of any situation that we're in. And there's nothing that feels better than that self-created financial stability of, of earning our own money a hundred percent. And you also don't want people to feel like they get locked into a money treadmill where right. they build this huge expensive life mm-hmm. and then they it's almost like condemn themselves to having to make mm-hmm. so much money. Because yeah. I know that, that, you know, particularly with business owners, and I mean, I'm a business owner, I'm always also looking at designing my life and my schedule and my time. And I, I really do ask myself the question, how much money do I need to earn this year? How much do I want to work this year? Right? Mm-hmm. Because- you know, you I'm not going to work that hard if I if I'm good with this. I'm not going to kill myself yeah, and not have good quality yeah, of life. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And so I think it's also why it's really important to get into the emotional side of money because so many people are spending money based on the fact that they felt deprived in an earlier time in their life, whether it was as children or as single moms or whatnot. And so we're spending money often as adults in in a very unconscious way because we're trying to fill this. Whole. We're trying to fill this void that we're not quite naming. It's like we're spending money on wants, but we're not really naming what's the underlying need. You know, in my very first money coach, Karen McCall, oh my gosh, you talked about this a lot. This whole, you can never, ever spend enough if you don't really name what you truly, truly need. Ooh, so I'm so spending good. on the wants, spending on the wants. It's, it's like the example that she would give is, 
Here you are putting up beautiful wallpaper in your gorgeous new house. But the underlying need is you haven't fixed the electrical wiring in the house you just bought. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah. The wire's now sticking out through the beautiful, pretty wallpaper, right? Yeah. So it's like, what do you truly need in your life? Because when you name your true needs, it's so nourishing, right? And you can creatively meet needs if you take the time to, to name them. Like, like, you know, like your example, like I can buy a used couch that's actually really nice that meets my needs because you took the time to say, what do I really need? Yeah. Well, even, and I've, I've got a whole blog post that I'm, I share a lot on my podcast because I feel like listeners hold me way up here and I like to bring myself back down to here because it's like, let's, just because I have the microphone doesn't make me special, I promise. But, I, you know, everyone knows I recently um, was divorced and I lived in a 4,600 square foot house in a gated community, you know, had Cabo St. Lucas in my backyard. I was on the cover of magazines. My backyard was on the cover of the home and garden edition of the home and garden show edition of the Tennessean. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful home and loved it. Was very grateful for the resource to host my kids, friends and community events and all that kind of stuff. COVID happened. Obviously that impacted my business as it impacted millions of small businesses. I was remodeling my business and then I found out, oh, also I'm getting a divorce and who saw that coming? So all of that happening, all that did was bring uncertainty into my life. And so I was like, where am I going to build? I don't even know if I want to live here anymore. Like, and you know, lumber has diamonds on it now, apparently because like, and just the whole like build a house thing just sounded crazy. I knew that I actually, it dawned on me, I own a house on a piece of property I already own. It is a manufactured house. It was double wide mm -hmm. in layman's terms. And I was like, huh, but I could pay that land off and I can live there for free. So I pimped my trailer. I gutted it. I put luxury vinyl plank all throughout a double wide. Yes, I did. I yeah, did yeah. signature walls with wallpaper. I ripped out the janky decks. I put new decks in. I put a roof on the off the back so that my ridiculous hot tub that I was able to get because of my relationship with the customer who sells hot tubs would never buy that. It was like half the I value of my house. Mm -hmm. Everything that I did, every knob got changed, every lighting fixture. Mm -hmm. And then I had this 10 and a half acres, this building that I'm in, I had uh -huh. built in a warehouse. This is an outbuilding. It looks like a storage shed from out there. And I was like, I just need a year. I need a year to figure out what I want. And I knew that this was fine for me and people lost their minds, Michael, and they lost their minds. They're like, I'm sorry, Amber Hurdle is moving into a what? And I'm you like, are brilliant. You are brilliant because you created it. It's like you had this intense pressure. I mean, your life is apparently getting remodeled on top of the house with the divorce that happens. Right. And here you are giving yourself space, space, grace and time and also naming what you really need you know you value aesthetics you uh -huh. value beauty you value you know so you were really clear like here's what i need to make me happy mm -hmm. apparently what i don't need to make me happy is 10 bedrooms but what <laughs> i do need to make me happy is is a beautiful place to be that's right. right peaceful serene have access to my creek and my my enchanted forest and like live here, but I travel all the time. So it's like, it really doesn't matter in the end. And then it gave me space to say like, you know what? I'm building a house in Florida. Right. I'm going to build a house in Florida and then I'm going to move there. And if I don't sell this, then I'll rent it out. It's an asset, whatever. But that mindset would have never been there before because it would have been fear-based. It would, I would have worried about what other people thought, like, Right. You have to come to a place, and I share that story, not because I'm great, because I still get freaked out around money. I still do. Um, but this gave me an opportunity for that not to be at the forefront of what already was shifting in my life. I didn't have to worry about money because I chose this option. It's it's a beautiful story, Amber. I'm so glad you share it with all your listeners. And, you know, it's also, um, you know, we all talk about keeping up with the Joneses. The yeah. problem. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to use the words for children to hear in the car, but if you're watching YouTube, you can see which fingers I have up. You can see which fingers <laughs> you've got up. Yeah. I know. hundred percent. And, you know, it's also one of the big problems with social media, which, you know, I kind of have a love-hate affair with actually. Just insane. But, um, you know, so when people see like, oh my gosh, so-and-so is bringing their kids on vacation to here, this or that, we start feeling 
like somehow we're not enough. I mean, you know, we've all seen and heard the studies on that, right? So when you go, no, what do I need? What makes me happy? What are my values? And it, you know, again, it created space, it created created grace, and also it created time because time. you you likely could have gone out and bought maybe a house in between what we're talking about. You know, you could have bought the three bedroom or the whatever. Okay, you could, but then you'd have to work a lot more. Mm-hmm hustle for the money, be back to being stressed. Right. And who are you doing that for? And then I'm no good for my customers because I'm anxious and and tired and stressed all the time, as opposed to having some flow in my life. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's flow. It's flow. You named the word. And also what do you value? And you obviously value all, some of your personal time as well. You don't want to spend every minute working. Well, and the crazy thing is, is in my big old fancy house before, like we had guests, we had overnight guests. It's not like, I mean, I definitely had a dedicated guest room and I have a dedicated guest room um, at, at this particular house, but I had more people stay with me here in my humble little double wide. I had a former Jaguar executive stay in that. I've had like award-winning like keynote speakers and like all kinds of people stay in my cute little honey pot that I have here. And mm-hmm. I had no anxiety around it. Everybody's like, this is so great. So what I'm just trying to say is just like that peanut butter and jelly or, you know, whatever is whatever you have to work with, like make it be as freaking fabulous as, as you possibly can. And that just takes creativity and curiosity. It does take creativity. Yeah. Creativity. And, cre- and I love being creative with money and naming what you really, really need. You know, like I had, I, I laugh at that similarities in some pieces of, the, of your story, because I have, I had the smallest house of all my friends, mm-hmm. right? And yet I love home. I swear more than all of my friends. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, I've got like the beautiful gas fireplace and I love my art and I've got the beautiful sofa and I've got, oh my goodness, the wine glasses I have are too mm, The I details. Are you a Libra by chance? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a cancer. So I'm like super home based. Okay. Okay. Super, super home based. Oh my gosh. You know? And so the funny part, I would always laugh when I go to my friend's houses who were much bigger than mine. I always had the party, uh, you know, the cocktail parties. Because they're always, house poor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, here I am. I've got the smallest house. And yet I seem to have all my friends here because That's I've created this vibe, this mm-hmm. feeling because I love because I love it. It's, you know, for me, home and aesthetics are one of my values. Yeah. But I also value not working all the time. Yeah. And listen, as long as there's Wayfair and TJ Maxx, like you can make anything fabulous on a budget. I'm just saying. I just got the most fabulous chair in Wayfair. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely lighting fixtures on Wayfair. But then also there's like, you know, Facebook marketplace or whatever. And I don't necessarily want to use couch now. I don't know if I want to put my face where somebody stranger's feet is, but you know, still an option if that's where you are at the moment. So it's all about needs and wants, right? I mean, if I I need furniture, I may want the $10,000 couch, but I need a beautiful, lovely, comfortable couch. And I yes. can get that need met for less than the designer price, but I got to name what I really need. Yeah. And there's always couch covers. So there's that, but oh, there's- so you, you, um, a lot of my listeners, a lot of my customers are like me and they're neurodivergent. So I have ADD. So in addition to having some anxiety around the the whole money relationship, I also have a very difficult time being consistent about things. And it like the harder or the more steps that are in it, like I'm out. If there's too many steps between what I want and getting there, I'm out. And so I use so much of that in the project management side of my business and taking care of my clients that when I get to my personal life, I'm empty. I don't have the attention span, the consistency to provide. You talk yeah. about financial elegant simplicity. Oh, I was just going to say it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So I've got, I have a lot of clients that have uh, different versions of ADD and, um, you know, related things like that. And also so many of us nowadays are just so flipped busy yeah that you know exactly what you just said right so what what i find is that a lot of people have way too many accounts yes on the brass tacks right you know they've got three checking accounts and they've got seven credit cards and they've got five savings accounts and of course it's at over three or four different banks and some are brick and mortar and some are online you know and so when i start working with people we draw out initially 
all their accounts, mm-hmm. checking savings, credit cards. We get this picture where all the money is flowing from this account to transfer to this account. And I pay out of this account, my mortgage. Oh my goodness. And okay. I say, no wonder you're stressed. No wonder you're anxious. So I'm a huge proponent of simplifying your finances. You need one checking account. You need one or two savings accounts. You need one credit card, right? And this elegant simplicity, we need fewer places to look online, fewer places to, you know, transferring money around in like a, a or tornado. Yes. Do I want people to look at where they're spending their money? I do. I do. But if you have to look in seven different places, I don't want to look in seven different places. And so sometimes I think that somewhere along the line, people felt if I'm this sophisticated professional person, that must equate to what a lot of accounts or something, you know, there's been a lot of advice out there, but honestly, and then you have like Michael um, Malkovich, I've, I've been on his podcast. He hasn't been on mine yet, but, um, you know, he has profit first and he wants you to open up 9,000 banking accounts. And I like, I gotta say, I disagree. I disagree too. I I love him to death. Oh yeah. Conceptually. It makes sense. But most people cannot handle it. Do it in a spreadsheet. uh, Exactly. I love his concepts. He's a brilliant guy. And Uh all of those concepts can be handled through one spending plan. Yeah. One spending plan. Right. So it's, we need to simplify because when you look at people that feel peaceful around money and don't have anxiety around money and you look at like what do commonalities do they have in common it's actually not about how much money they make mm-hmm. it's about how elegantly simple their finances are and they know where their money is coming and going yeah and generally speaking they got one checking account one credit card they use and a couple of personal savings accounts. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I, I pretty. I think that's pretty much me. I've, I have multiple cards, but I only really use one. Like the other ones, kind of are just there to keep them open for the credit or whatever. But the one thing that I think a lot of women in business get caught up in is buying a new program or a new mastermind or like they they add all of these things to their their business budget. And the bigger you get, the more you have, and the more tools in your tech stack and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, simplify to amplify is something that Karis Moon has said to me a long time ago. She's a branding um, expert. And um, and I just, that really stuck with me. And it, I'm constant, every single month, I'm like, what can I get rid of? Am I still using that? Can I get rid of that? Like, how can I put these three things into one thing so it's one bill and one thing to keep up with? I know, I'm totally with you. Uh, Barbara Hewson, she used to publish a lot under Barbara Stanny. She talks about how many business owners uh, have SSA, um, serial seminar addicts. Oh, yeah. SSA, serial <laughs> seminar junkie. Addicts. Yeah, exactly. Another personal growth seminar, what's not to live. And the problem I see is because I do a lot of business. I'm, I'm a money coach that works with, you know, women that are rocking it in midlife. And some are self-employed and, and some are not, right? But they often the battle cry is it's deductible. So why wouldn't I get that personal growth seminar? If I happen to be self-employed, it's, de- it's like a, it's deductible. Right. Mm-hmm. But like you said, simplifying your life, simplifying your money, simplifying just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Yeah. It's like spandex. <laughs> <laughs> relationship with spandex being a tango dancer and i agree with you i don't want to spandex (laughs) well that's where i want to go next because you know you make sure that you carve out time you make sure that you carve out money i've done dancing before it ain't Uh cheap no um i mean it's not like crazy expensive but it is it is a hobby and a passion that requires money to fuel it if you want to you know participate at that level tell me about that like where does having a hobby or something that you're interested in how does that help you financially oh i actually this is one of my favorite topics so i have decided to compete nationally um at the national tango championship which is yeah i'm so excited Uh, my love who i I just literally got engaged to my tango partner so love and tango. congratulations that's awesome it's super fun um so but why i think hobbies are so important is so many women that are in midlife have spent so much time 
taking care of everybody else, Mm -hmm. right? And so your hobbies and your passions are all about you, you, you. And it's also about enjoying your current present life because when you talk with people about money, a lot of times the money conversations are either about the past, pay off debt, or they're about the future retirement. But we don't live in the past and we don't live in, in the future. We live in the present. And so, you know, hobbies and passions are a way of fully, fully living and enjoying our life. You know, I've got like a lot of clients, for example, that um, are huge horse riders, mm. right? And that, that is a That's a really expensive, expensive habit. <laughs> it is, you know, and tango gets expensive once you're going to like, you know, festivals and buying two, $300 shoes and working with private coaches and stuff like that. So it's, it's also a, a great balancing act around, I want to earn money so that, and that's a great question for all your listeners to answer. I want to earn money so that, so that, what is your, so that, so that I can enjoy my current life. And part of my in current life enjoyment is, is dancing, right? Is, is tango. And so I'm out of balance if I'm not spending for me personally, a lot of time, you know, in the dance studio, it's, as you know, as a dancer, it's also about health, right? Mm-hmm. It's about, it's not all about money. It's all about being healthy. It's about my body. It's enjoying about- exercise as opposed to laboring on a treadmill that's going to nowhere. Exactly. It's so much more fun to work out when it's got a reason and a purpose. Yeah. You know, I want to rock it on the dance floor. Therefore, I will work the core. Right. Yeah. And then no, just work the core to be healthy. Right. So, but you know, the whole notion of protecting your hobbies when, when I work with people on whether it's a monthly spending plan or an annual spending plan, one of the questions is what do you want to protect? What do you want to protect? And so, you know, if you want to protect your horse riding, maybe it means when push comes to shove that we need to wait on the new living room furniture. Right. And you're going to feel good about that if you're clear about what you want to protect and there's money for that. So it's a way of organizing priorities in your life. And it doesn't feel like a takeaway. It feels exactly. like it's not like a huge sacrifice, but it's I am choosing this over this as opposed to I just don't get this. Exactly. Yeah, because that's back to dieting and that never feels good. If you're feeling deprived, that says that we haven't named what's really important to you and protected it. I love that. Whoo, I feel like I talk to you all day because this is definitely it's it's an you know, obviously a an important topic for me personally. And I have had to coach some of my bombshells. And I'm not a financial coach. I don't even play one on TV. I don't try to be, but when I realize that they don't have a money plan, I'm like, we cannot do anything until you know what's happening in your money and your business. Like that is, we cannot move forward because that is the source of anything that we're going to talk about. So like it is such, this is such an important piece. And even that we haven't even gotten into employed people necessarily. So maybe that, maybe you'll have to come back and we'll have part two, but um, it's for everyone. It impacts everyone. And especially as we're moving into like the scary recession that, the media and everybody wants us to get all bent out of shape about it's a cycle guys it's a cycle like i'm i'm old enough to know i've seen a couple of these cycles before we get through it we get on the other side you have abundance again and you save and you know anyways um I, i would love to know what is your parting piece of advice that is that last thing that you want to bombshell a bold brave and waveringly confident woman in business to walk away with from your brilliance today Uh, I'd say it's a two-part answer. I I want people to honor the fact that they're on a journey around money. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you've been. You're here now. You have to believe this is the perfect time for you to look at at and really transform your relationship to money. And I think that a piece of honoring the fact that you've had a really long, interesting journey with money, we all have. We all have. And so there has to be, in my opinion, a lot more financial forgiveness for ourselves Mm -hmm. that we have to let go of past when, you know, we beat ourselves up ruminating on all our past money mistakes. But if you've never made some big whopping money mistakes, you're not living. You're not living. (laughs) We all know we've all earned our, our, what do we call it? The MBA of life. You know, I mean, we all are doing the best that we can. So know that you're on a journey. You've got to forgive yourself. 
for whatever you need to forgive yourself for in the past and know that you're in the perfect time to really shift and transform how you feel about money because you deserve a, a fabulous life. I love it. Mike Land, I love you have this incredible power about you, like this just strength of, of presence. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you have this this calm and this ease about you. And those two things usually don't go together. And I'm just fascinated that that's how you show up. And I can imagine how safe your clients feel doing business with you. So I appreciate just immensely showing up for us in that same vein. I really, really do. So um, I I have a feeling we're going to need to have you back on the show. I know there's more surface. I know that's why I feel like we're done already. Right? There's so much more to go. So we'll have to have you back, Um, or maybe we can do like a webinar or something together. I don't know, but um, this is this is such great content. And and bombshell. I hope you know find Michael Ann online. Um, she is a seattlemoneycoach.com. Um, all of her social media handles are going to be in um, the show notes. She's on Facebook, uh, Michael Ann, and it's spelled like Mike, M-I-K-E-L-A-N-N, Michael Ann Seattle Money Coach. On Instagram, she's on Seattle Money Coach. Twitter, she's at Michael Ann, Seattle Money Coach for YouTube, also for Pinterest. And then um Michael Ann Volterra, we'll just put all that is her LinkedIn. So definitely want to connect with her. This is information that you need daily. So following her is going to put this at top of mind for you, which is helpful for those of us who need to be reminded that we need to tend to our finances, right? So. <laughs> yeah, no, well, thank you for that. Yeah, and like I said, I, I work with women that are just rocking it in midlife, but this money piece is the piece that's stressing them out. So you know, if people listening are stressed, I would just encourage them to grab a discovery call with me. You know, I have clients all over the world. So just go to Seattle Money Coach and book a free discovery call and we'll hopefully figure out in 20 minutes what is stressing you about money so that we can start making some shifts and you can feel better. Yeah, I have a feeling you probably are just like scorpion laser, like you go right to that. Yeah, <laughs> you probably have seen enough I'm to know exactly much. what's happening. Yeah. yeah, book your discovery call and be like, get a cup of coffee because here we go. Yeah, yeah. that's what I tell you. I'm going to pierce your soul. Don't be afraid. Don't so, be afraid. <laughs> bombshell. Here. Make sure you follow Michael Ann. Make sure that you give this. Um, if you're on YouTube, you know, like it, share it, leave the reviews, do all that kind of stuff. I always ask you to do because when that happens, then more bombshells can find this and then we get to help more people. You know, I don't really do commercials. Um, this is my love gift to you. And the people who are on the show, our guests are just so generous with their time. And so this is for you. This is my gift to womankind. And, um, and the more women that we can impact, the better. So please, please, please share. And um, we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.